this started here. Well, we've been in a study, a uh, 21-week study of uh, both uh, three weeks on on Christ and uh, his person and work, and we've had uh, um, really uh, 18 other weeks on uh, the spiritual realm. And like I said, I, I just did not give enough um, credence to the things that I really felt should be in spoken about, especially pertaining to the holy angels. Uh, and yeah, we'll we'll do our best today. And like I said, I promised that we would uh, hit the high points. And yet, there's just there's so much more um, as an opportunity. Maybe we'll circle back on some of that at another time. Um, but in our study of the spiritual realm, we've studied um, uh, we've taken a look at uh, the places beyond. Uh, where the current uh, uh, eye can see, where the current eye can see, and uh, places in the spiritual realm. We looked at uh, uh, the third heaven, which is beyond the first and second heavens. We looked at uh, Hades. Uh, we've looked at the uh, abyss. Uh, we've looked at uh, Abraham's bosom. We've looked at paradise. Uh, we've looked at uh, hell. And all of these places, and had had an understanding of how that all comes together um, in the spiritual realm. We've also looked at Satan, our adversary, um, his uh, who he is, um, what he's been about. Uh, we looked at uh, uh, his role on planet Earth. Uh, we've looked at his uh, condemnation in the fall of man. We looked at his sin in detail and how he fell. Uh, we've looked at uh, um, his defeat. Through, through time as we know it and what will happen in the future. And we also looked at uh, his names. Uh, we looked at uh, uh, the truth about his minions uh, called demons or the demonic world, uh, called fallen angels, if you would, and uh, their role on this earth. Uh, we looked at the, the nature um, of temptation itself and how that actually expresses itself in our lives, and certainly some of the truths about how God is um, keeping that and and, and has prepared that for us to um, develop and strengthen us, but yet, on the other hand, not to fall. And so some of the truths around that are really crucial. And then we looked also about this whole issue of the doors that demons use in our lives, and this tale of two worldviews, inclusive of what is relatively newer, which is kind of the postmodern and post-postmodern world, and 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 the, and the messages that that this world uh, uh, sends and is is continually fabricating and developing, uh, which um, gives us uh, an understanding of who's behind that, which is Satan, and why that why it's in this kind of march or countdown towards what we believe to be the end of this age in a very short period of time. And then we moved into our armor, and last uh, last week and this week we've looked at um, holy angels. Um, when we look at holy angels, we've looked at them as being their nature and attributes. Um, we've looked at them as being spirit beings. Um, if you do not have, uh, if you weren't here last week, um, you probably won't get this down uh, before in, as we look at it real quickly, but... Um, just shoot, maybe if we can put a piece of paper together and just put your email address on the back, I'll send you uh, that information, um, if you would. Here, let's just maybe throw that. If, if you want this information on email, um, from the first one, just put your name and 
email address on there, and I'd be glad to get that to you. Um, but we looked at the nature and, class and, and attributes of angels. We looked at the, the fact that they are spirit beings. We had uh, some interesting dialogue around uh, their ability to uh, both uh, pro- to procreate in, in the spiritual realm and um, how does that actually work and how does it connect to some of the other passages in Scripture. And we looked at the fact that they can't die. They reveal themselves to mankind in human bodies. Um, I, I, these three here are red. I'm adding those on here if you want to add them to your, to your notes from last week. Um, just that they can speak to men. I just put one verse on here, but there's many verses, obviously. Uh, I think of Acts 1.8, where, you know, the, the angels were there, and they said, why are, you, why are you looking up into the heavens, you know? Uh, the same one who left will come again in the same, in the same way. Also, the fact that they are dazzling and brilliant in glory. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And then they demonstrate intense emotions. Um, this dazzling and brilliant in glory here is uh, is when the um, uh, the angel came and rolled the stone away. Remember, and the women were there, and 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 they saw this being that was um, just uh, like white like lightning. Like white hot lightning, and it just like uh, totally transfixed their eyes. And in fact, the um, the guards did what? They they really they fell down almost like in fear. Um, so uh, as to Luke fifteen ten, <clears throat> won't go there. But another one there is this issue of demonstrating intense emotions. Anybody got anybody know the context of that one? Luke Luke uh, fifteen ten says when when a sinner uh, comes to the Lord and uh, accepts Christ. It, what does it say about the angels in heaven? They rejoice, and, the, and and if you look at the words, it's like they are like exuberant. They're like passionately praising God about the fact that one one person comes to Christ. I mean, you know, I wonder about that in our own lives as we think about you know just how, how passionately. Uh, joyous and like incredibly engaged in this warfare that we are in, that we that we celebrate every single battle and victory in our life, and watch how God's using that in in, uh, uh, in the larger scheme of things. But they're created beings, created by God. Uh, they sang to God, and there's another emotional one uh, after their creation. Uh, there was this cacophony of praise that is lifted up to God as a result of their creation. So they 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 continued they they, they did what they were created to do, which was to praise God and and give Him glory. And the primary purpose of creation is to is to give praise to God from their from their perspective. That's the primary purpose. We're going to see the secondary purpose as we look into more things today. Also, in in the nature and attributes of angels, we saw that they are created simultaneously. And that they're innumerable in number. Um, they're created at one time. There's a constant number of them. There's myriads upon myriads and thousands upon thousands. Who knows, maybe billions of angels um, that do exist. Uh, one third of them are now demonic beings. Two thirds of that population, which is a fixed population now, is our holy angels. Um, and then they are higher order than mankind today. And we talked about this last time, about how when Christ became for a little while lower than angels, in Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, before that verse, it talks about how mankind has also been created lower than angels. But there is coming a time when angels will serve men, redeemed mankind. 
And this whole ordering of mankind and angels, holy angels, is flipped on its head. And actually, man, redeemed mankind becomes a higher order of, of beings in the universe than even holy angels. And their, and their goal is now to, quote, minister, uh, minister to mankind. So they don't die. Uh, they have greater wisdom than man, but it's limited. Uh, they are a higher order than man today. Whoops. Uh, they have great power, but it's limited. And we talked about this idea of the fact that um, in, in the uh, in the in the millennial kingdom and beyond, that um, that redeemed mankind are going to judge angels. They're going to they're going to sit in in a discerning way above them in some way, shape, or form. Not not sure exactly how that all unbundles itself, but that's that's amazing that that's going to happen. And, and uh, at that there. Okay, so we also looked at the classifications of. Angels, and we saw that uh, Michael is called the Archangel. The Archangel. We saw that, in fact, um, <clears throat> he is called the Great Prince. In the angelic realm, there seems to be this uh, picture that exists where uh, God is here, and uh, there's um, this uh, Archangel here uh, who seems to have now be Michael. Because we looked last week about the fact that it says Michael and his angels. And then what seems to be here is that there are seven, count them, seven, uh, uh, we'll call them ruling angels, um, chief princes we'll call them. uh, And we'll talk more about these seven uh, today also. Um, There was, uh, by the way, from here up, it probably is, uh, there's two, two orders of angels here. There's, um, there's these four living creatures, which we're going to look at, um, who are seraphim. Seraphim, and then there's this whole, so in this order up here, there's cherubim, seraphim, and then... Um, your normal run-of-the-mill holy angel. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's these chief princes here that are cherubim also. Um, and there's Michael, who is who is an archangel. Um, there's uh, there's Satan over here, who was... Anybody remember what he, uh, he was? Or Lucifer? What, what, what was Lucifer? He was a what? Cherubim, right. He was a cherub. Cherubim, right. Exactly. So, we'll be referring to this as we go through our time together. But there's this individual who's called Michael. Uh, his name his name actually um, uh, uh, speaks of being um, who is like God. And uh, he's called the great prince. He is also the one who is the protector of Israel and uh, on this earth. And... Uh, these ruling, uh, so, so these uh, these chief princes are also what we refer to as ruling angels or rulers, and you see that also in the scripture too. Okay, um, we also looked at prominent angels. We looked at Michael, who, who's called um, who is like God, and, and we talked about what an awesome name, you know. I mean, what can you imagine just having being a being, a created being who has that name? Who is like God? 
oh, oh, that that would be the passion of each one of our lives, you know, to be like God. Um, I was sharing this with Michael, my son-in-law. He goes, yeah. <laughs> That's an awesome name, isn't it? <laughs> um, Gabriel, who who is a, a man of God, who um, means man of God or God is strong. Uh, we saw a number of different places where um, Gabriel in, uh, in, interacts with people, and so Gabriel happens to be this special envoy from God to mankind, and he is the one you see show up in so many situations, and he's messaging and communicating truth about. God to mankind, specifically and directly. Okay? And then, down below, what we saw, I put this in red here, which I didn't tell you last time, but I wanted to pick up on that and go forward, is this issue of, in Luke 1, 26-27, take a look at that, um, Gabriel describes himself um, as the one, quote, who stands in the presence of God. Stands in the presence of God. And so, what, what's interesting, or fascinating to me, is these chief princes and rulers here, what you're going to find is, these are the, quote, seven angels who, quote, stand in the presence of God. So, I mean, some of the, you know, you can't be absolute about this, but it seems to be that maybe Gabriel is, is... one of the leads of these seven princes who stand, uh, who are ruling angels and who stand in the presence of God. Wouldn't that be amazing to be able to stand in the presence of God and just have been with Him since the dawn of your creation and to know God for all He is and amazing. Think about that. You ever think about that? You ever think of what it's going to be like to be in the presence of God? Oh my goodness, what a great time, what an awesome opportunity we're going to have. Well, I want to move to uh, the uh, attendants and guardians of, of the throne of God. Cherubim and seraphim are called these uh, divine attendants or divine guardians. Um, all, of the whole, all of the holy angels are referred to as, quote, watchers also. Watchers. Anybody got a perspective of what the what what they're watching? What are they watching? I mean, they're already in heaven. What are they watching? Thoughts? Oh, they they're like totally blown away. They're like, we just don't get it. How? I mean, God didn't choose to save fallen angels, the highest order of creation, but He chose to send His Son to die for one lower than angels. And they just don't get it. They're like, whoa! <laughs> Blow me away! And they're like, wow! And they're like, watching the sanctification process of people on this earth and how God is shaping them to become more like Him. And they're like, going, this never occurred in the, in the spiritual realm. He must have this incredible love. A love that's undying uh, for these beings called human beings that he would give up so much and that he cares that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ. Isn't that amazing to just to have that utter unshakable confidence that God is at work and that the angels stand in utter awe of human beings who are becoming like Christ. 
I mean, that's amazing to me. Um, so the cherubim, who are they? They're the highest order of, uh, and, uh, uh, they're the highest <laughs> order of angelic beings. They're the highest class of angelic beings. If you don't have a handout, there's some in the back there, I think. Um, welcome to that. Uh, they are described in, uh, uh, as uh, they're, they're created uh, with what would, what's called indescribable power, indescribable wisdom. They're they they're, they they're, uh, uh, they have uh, indescribable wisdom and beauty. Um, Acts twenty eight fourteen. Go with me there. We're going to move pretty quick, so get your Bibles out and if you can, stay with me. Acts uh, twenty eight uh, fourteen. Somebody want to read that? <clears throat> Actually, do twelve and then fourteen. No, Ezekiel 28. Uh, tw- did I say Acts? Okay, I made a mistake. Ezekiel 28, 12, and 14, if you would. Son of man, take up the lamentation over Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord, You have the seal of perfection, for wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were the anointed cherub who covered, who covered, and I place you there. Okay, so again, we said already that that um, that um, uh, Lucifer or Satan, who is the being behind this king of Tyre that uh, that 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 Ezekiel's prophesying at, um, uh, is one of these cherubs. He says that you're the anointed cherub, and uh, cherubs themselves are. Created with this incredible beauty, incredible wisdom. Um, turn with me to Ezekiel uh, chapter uh, one. This is it's this. It, there's two passages. There's, there's three passages I would have wanted to just try to unbundle a lot and don't have time for. Uh, and one of them is Ezekiel one because um, there's so much to kind of glean from the standpoint of about who God is and about who these angels are. Um, but in, in Ezekiel um, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, uh, what we see here in verse 4, well, first of all, Ezekiel's here in the, in the, um, in the exile. And he's by the river Chebar. And uh, he says in verse 1, The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. It happened to be in the fifth month, uh, fifth of, of the month, in the fifth year of the king jo- Jehoiakim's exile. The word of the Lord came expressly to him. Verse four, and I and I looked, behold, and as I looked, behold, a storm was coming from the north, a great cloud with flashing fire continually, and a bright light around this cloud, and in its midst something like get the words like like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. So glowing metal is this like white hot. Um, it's like uh, have you ever seen lightning? Like the, the core components of lightning, it's just like brighter than lightning. It's like it's 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 the only thing they had at that time to speak of this this not not really even a color because it's white is yeah, the absence of color, isn't it? Or it's all what is it? It's the absence of color, right? And and so he says. That, that it's like glowing metal in the midst of a fire. So you have a fire and it's like inside the fire, it's like, it's like, um, it's white hot. Um, verse 5, and within it there were figures resembling what? Four living beings. 
And this was their appearance, and they had human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings, and their legs were straight, and their feet were like calves hoof, a calf's hoof, and they gleamed like burnished bronze. This burnished bronze is the same kind of thing of the glowing metal in the midst of the fire. It's the same thing they're talking about here. Um, Under their wings, verse 8 of Ezekiel 1, on, on their four sides were human hands, as for the faces and wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another, their faces did not turn when they moved, and each went straight forward. Okay? So, forward, side by side, as the form of their faces, each had a face of a man, all four had the face of a lion. All on the right, so if the man's facing this way, this face going this way was the face of a lion, face of a bull going left, and all had the face of an eagle in the back. So man, eagle, uh, lion, and bull. Such, verse 11, were their faces. Their wings were spread out above each had two touching another being and two covering their bodies, and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go, without turning as they went. In the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire. So like in their midst, there's this burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. And so there's these, like a torch, it looks like little torches, and they're like, they're, they're, they're like, um, they're, they're darting in the midst of the beings. They're darting around really fast. And the fire was bright and shining and was flashing from the fire. So they, they, these torches seemed to enable somehow like lightning and bolts of lightning coming out of the midst of these four creatures. And the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. Um, uh Got your attention, don't I? <laughs> I mean, this is an unbelievable sight. And if I had the chance to go through the rest of chapter 1, which I had wanted to, but I won't get to today, um, to see the context and how this all interacts, it's amazing. But um, let's take a look at what we're here to, to study today, which is uh, uh, what they look like. So, they're human in form with four faces. Man, lion, ox, and eagle. Um Four wings, so um, cherubs, the cherubim have four wings. Um, by the way, this is one of the key differentiators between cherubs and seraphs, is, is uh, the number of wings. Um, four wings, feet like a calf, uh, and gleaming with burnished bronze. So their, the bottom part of these feet are... Um, are they're, 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 in a, they're in an explosion of fire. They're in an explosion of fire down below. And uh, four hands uh, come out from underneath their wings. So if they have four faces, they have four wings on each side, and underneath those wings um, are human hands of some kind there. Um, that's what they look like. Pretty amazing. Like, wow. It's like uh, really a, a being of a different place and time uh, ever um, so what do they do uh, they proclaim God's holiness they proclaim God's holiness uh, they proclaim his um, sovereignty uh, they protect or guard if you would um, 
God's presence, God's glorious presence. Protect and guard God's glorious presence. Um, then last but not least, they um, prepare all, all the world for God's judgment. They prepare the world for God's judgment. Uh, turn with me to Revelation. Um, yeah, there should be some more back there. Is that, Are they all taken up? Got more? Yeah. You gave me one. I'll grab some back there. Sorry about that. Uh, so they, in preparing for God's judgment, turn with me to Revelation. And uh, by the way, if you ever study Revelation, what you're going to find is, I, I, I mean, in all my study of, Revela- of Revelation, my study of this subject in Revelation just blew me away. I had no idea how pregnant Revelation was with angels and what... I mean, I, I guess I, I, I've seen it before, but I, I didn't understand the magnitude of, of how, how angels are, are, are going to prepare the world for and be involved in uh, this short period of time called, called seven-year period, um, tribulation period, and what's going to happen during that time. But in Revelation chapter... Uh, uh, let's take a look at 8 uh, first of all um, chapter 8 hold your finger in 15 we'll come back there uh, just a comment on this about uh, angels in general um, in this situation um, uh, cherubim uh, um, there's this uh, in chapter 8 there's this s- seventh seal and I saw the seven angels who stand before God and the seven trumpets were given to them um, so again, these seven angels who stand before the throne, being these angels here, um, there are three cascades of things that happen in the tribulation period. There's what we call the seven seals, and then there's the seven trumpets, and then there's what we call the seven bowls. First three, the first four um, seals that that get de- deployed on on Earth are really what you all, you've all heard of them before. They're, they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay, you, you all remember, know that, four horsemen of the apocalypse. So that's, that, that happens in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Well, the, the four creatures who um, actually uh, let those go and um, communicate for them to move um, are these che- are, are cherubs. Um, Excuse me. The four, uh, we'll come back to those four. The four are seraphs that actually kick it off. But these cherubim, these seven here, are involved in the seven trumpets and the seven uh, uh, bowls. And so, and so they actually are called the seven angels who stand before the throne. And you'll see that language throughout the Revelation. And it's those seven angels here that are the chief princes that actually deploy for God um, this ever-increasing drumbeat of judgment on planet Earth through the... Um, so, uh, they, they do that. Uh, Revelation 15, uh, verse 1, says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Again, the seven angels who had the seven plagues... Um, uh, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. Uh, chapter 16, verse 1, And I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out seven bowls of wrath of God into the earth. 
And then chapter 17, verse 1, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came up to me saying, uh, and this this angel is uh, kicking off, if you would, and showing John uh, the end that will come for, quote, Babylon, which is called the great harlot on earth, um, which is, um, so, so you got to be pretty pretty doggone positive that, uh, that uh, you know, what's going on in Iraq is, is, is going gonna, is gonna to get fixed, okay, somehow, some way. Um, Babylon will rise in its prominence again on planet Earth, and it will become the capital of the Antichrist during the tribulation period, and it will reverberate and resound with um, the economy of this world, um, and it will be the, the hub and spokes of everything that happens um, on planet Earth. And people ask, well, how could that be? Well, just think about think about um, computer world. I mean, everything's got to connect and, and to tie together, and I believe that um, the, the devastation, the downfall of Babylon will be the destruction of somehow this complete infrastructure that exists um, on the Earth at that time. Um, so, along with just literally decimating, wiping out that whole place. Um, but they prepare uh, mankind for God's judgment to be deployed during the tribulation period here. Um, cherubim continued. Where we see them in Scripture, we see them in Eden. Let's turn to uh, Genesis 3.24. If you got that, go ahead and read it. Genesis 3.24. So he drove the man out of the Garden of Eden and stationed the cherubim which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, we talked a lot in our earlier studies about why God had to do this. Anybody just remember off the top of their head really quickly? Not to spend a lot of time on it, but why Why? Why did? Why was this necessary? Correct. So they would not go back into the Garden of Eden and eat from the tree of life and be forever in the state that they would find themselves which is a fallen state, and therefore not capable of being redeemed. Yeah, exactly. Must have been some giant tree of life in, in the third heaven where you know, the demonic beings ate of that. No, I'm just kidding. But because they can't ever change. They, that's what happened with Monic World. They, they, not that they ate the same tree, but that they can't ever you know, be changed back. I mean, for some reason, God has said, this is, this is the way it is. But that's what they're keeping from. And they put cherubim, um, and not sure how many, I, I don't think it really says, does it? But um, they had flaming swords, which, which turned in every direction, um, which kind of ties to this idea of cherubim having four four dimensions to them, right? Um, and that's really, what, what's the number four in the scriptures speak of? Kind of universality. It's like east, west, north, south. It's, the, it's like universal in its, in its perspective. Okay. Yeah. Guard every direction to, uh, every direct, turn every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay. So we also see them um, uh, uh, as covering the mercy seat in the uh, Holy of Holies. Anybody remember uh, what they are on? On the ark. On the ark, right. On the ark. Good, good, good remember. Let's go to Exodus 25. Exodus chapter 25, um, verses uh, 17 through 22. Somebody got that? 
you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits shall be its length. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work, you shall make them at two ends of mercy seat. Take one cherubim at one end, and the other cherubim cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherub, <coughs> cherubim at the two ends of it, one piece with the mercy seat. Cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall shall be toward the mercy seat. Put the, the mercy seat on top of the ark, you shall put the testimony I will give you. There I will meet with you, and I will speak with, with above the mercy seat from between the cherubim which are on the, on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you. Amen to the children of okay. You ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Right? <laughs> okay. They show this pretty graphically if you get a chance to see it. But um, there, there's also good pictures of this. But um, they come from this passage, which really outlines and delineates the, the posture, the place, the peep, the, 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 the beings themselves. And, and, and so, what, what's, what, according to these verses, what, how would they look? How would they look? Huh? Bowing, okay. So down and prostrate, okay, with their wings hold, uh, extended, touching one another, okay. Okay, we'll come back to that issue of wings touching one another if we get to it today or later on. Okay, see that? Pretty amazing. So wh- why the why why the mercy seat? What what is this thing? I mean, I thought it was just like an ark. What is this ark? What is this mercy seat? Why is it in the Holy of Holies? What did it represent? Okay. And it was where, what, what was the mercy seat meant to hold or house? Or, it, the ark had that in it, right? So the ark had the Ten Commandments in it and it had you know, Aaron, was it Aaron's rod? Aaron's rod? Moses' rod? Aaron's rod, right? It was supposed to have it. Um, so, but, but on top, the lid. Lid goes down. These cherubim are on top. He said, once you've created this and you've inaugurated it and put it in place, I will meet you there. That will be the place of my presence. My physical presence on earth will be there at the mercy seat. It's, it's the place there. So that would be behind the, the, the thick wall that would keep mankind out from. And so you see this incredible picture of these cherub, cherubim in the presence of God. Right? That's the purpose. It's like to demonstrate that these angels, these angels dwell in a place where God is. Um, and we'll talk more about that. Any comments around that? Or questions? The mercy was Exactly. Exactly. So when, once a year on, on Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement, okay, then the, the high priest would go into this place and bring with him incense and the blood that had been spilled on behalf of the nation of Israel. And so he would come in and he would sprinkle it where? On the mercy seat. The place where God dwelled to, as, as, uh, uh, as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Yeah. And he had a rope tied around his leg and a bell, right? Yes, just in case he, like... I hate it when that happens. No, <laughs> um, yeah, if, just in case something happens, yeah, they could get them out because you, nobody could go in there. 
I mean, that, that, that was the message of the Old Testament, was God dwells in unapproachable, his presence is unapproachable. From, yeah, and, and that, that those sacrifices were meant to message and communicate, absolutely. Okay. So above the mercy seat, God is yes. God's dwelling place for yes. the angels. And we'll, between that and the, the correct, where the blood is correct, and we're going to see we're going to see why these extended uh, uh, wings and them touching each other because they face each other and they're touching one another. We're going to see what that means as we get go back to Ezekiel one, talking about the dwelling of God, the place where He is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we, we always saw it in Ezekiel's uh, vision. Yeah. Let's move on to Seraphim. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 6. Some of us, it's a little bit... Um, we, 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 uh, we have looked at this from the perspective of a couple different things in, in, in different venues. But uh, um, as we look at this uh, this morning, I want to look at it from the perspective of these uh, incredible beings. Um, these Seraphim... Seraphim are also called burning ones. Revelations, Revelation speaks of these seraph or seraphim as you're going to hear it called the four living, uh, the four living creatures. Four living creatures. You can hear about them from that. So here we see in the in the King of Uzziah's death, um, uh, Isaiah sees this incredible vision of the of the third heaven. He says that I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. And and who stood above him? Seraphim, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with uh, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another, and again, I believe there's four. Um, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds of the temple at, at the voice of Him who called out uh, trembled while the temple was filling with smoke. And the seraph in verse 6 flew to me with a burning coal in his hand. Okay. Uh, so what they look like, uh, they have six wings. Cherub, cherubim have four wings. Seraph Seraphs or seraphim have six wings. Um, they, uh, there are four of these. Uh, there are four of these. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Um, by the way, um, uh, this chapter 4 of Revelation begins with after these things. So this is a look into uh, chapter 4 and 5 really are a look into the third heaven during a time called the the tribulation period, and so it's like, okay, I'm in 6 through 19, I'm going to talk about what's happening on earth, in chapters 4 and 5, I'm going to talk about what's happening in heaven, and that's that's where we're at, and he says, and I looked, and I saw after these things, and what did he see? Behold, a door standing open, quote, in heaven, it's in the third heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet saying, come up here, and I will show you these things, take place after these things, excuse me. So immediately he says he was in a spirit and he was in a throne standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. So he goes down to talk about, in verse 5 he says, And from the, from the throne proceed flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there was seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are these seven spirits of God. Um, if you want a cross-reference on this, I think it's chapter 1. 
Um, oh, where is it? Uh, verse... Huh? There's the seven spirits there, yeah, but they're also before the throne, or before the um, the Son of God, someplace here. Seven golden lamp. no, that's the lampstands. Uh, thought it was here anyway. Uh, but these seven... These seven uh, Lamps of burning fire are, are are really the seven spirits of God. So there's a dimension of the spirit of God that has seven components. Why, why seven? What's seven? A perfection. Perfection, right? Why seven chief princes? Perfection. Okay. Um, and, and, and and they're 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 fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Verse six. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Hold, hold that in your mind, and we're going to come back to that at the end of our time. The sea of glass like crystal. What? I mean, think about that. It's like the sea as far as you can go before the throne of God, and it's like crystal. It's what's crystal look like? Clear. And um, if it's a sea of glass, it's like completely placid. You ever see a, like a pond or a, like a lake, you know, where there's no movement whatsoever? It's just absolutely crystal in nature. That's what this looks like here. Um, it's calm, it's, it's, it's peaceful, and it's there's no movement on it. And he says, and in the center of the, in the center and around the throne that he saw, this throne that he saw in verse 3 um, and 2, uh, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. And these four living creatures, the first creature was like that of a lion, the second creature was like that of a calf. The third creature was had a face like a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. Does, do you remember those? Remember, you remember having talked about this already today? Okay, but that was with who? Cherubs, right? And they had, each of their faces were that way. They had four faces, right? But they were human in, in, in form. Here we see these living creatures, and there's four of them. Each one actually is taking on the form of those four entities. So one looks like a man, one looks like an eagle, one looks like a face like that of a calf, and and the the last like a lion. Verse 8, and the four living creatures, which is what these are, it's the destined, it's the name of these, these, these seraphs, each one of them having six wings, there's your, there's your connection, okay, Six wings are, quote, full of eyes around and within. And the day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty One, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give God glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and to Him who lives forever. So this, this is the first song of multiple songs that reverberate across the heavens as we know them in, in the third heaven <clears throat> and, uh, during this uh, tribulation period. And um, uh, the first one is kicked off and like, you know, you hear all this humming going on, kind of warming up, right, you know, and getting ready for this you know, incredible thunderous applause of, of praise, you know, for God. And, uh, and each one has like, you know, New dimension of his worthiness brought forward in his character and who he is. And but the ones who kick it off, the ones who you would say, you know, 
Why them? Why seraphs? Why seraphim? Why do they get the awesome privilege of kicking this whole cacophony of praise off? One's closest to God. They've known him for the close. They've been around his throne. They are the ones who who surround the throne at all times. Um, so, let's take a look at them. Um, uh, they have six wings. There are four of them. What they do, uh, they say, holy, holy, holy. Um, why holy? I mean, of all the things they could praise God for, why does holiness like rise like cream to the top? as the most important attribute of who God is. Why is that like so incredibly um, powerful? <coughs> Thoughts? Nothing in the universe describes a, a who God is but holiness. It is the, it's the highest compliment of the highest praise to the highest God. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just once. There's this triple play. <laughs> holy, holy, holy. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Holy is God, who He is. There is none like Him. He is above all. He is transcendent. He is... Um, just keep going, right? So, they praise God for His holiness. They praise God for His... Um, his uh, uh, he's being the Almighty. He says, the Lord God, the Almighty One. Who, who's... What, what does Almighty speak of? What does that speak of? <coughs> his unlimited power, his his omnipotence, his omnipotence. Yeah, his omnipotence. He's the only being in the universe who, who is omnipotent. Can't have two beings in the universe that are omnipotent, can you? So when you say Almighty One, it is the one who has all power. Really, a smack in the face of Satan. And last but not least is um, his eternality. He says, "Who was, who is, and who is to come? The one who never was, never began. The one who never ends. The Alpha and the Omega is the way the language at the end of Revelation speaks of." Yeah, very powerful. Um, so let's talk about some ministry of angels. I want to talk first of all to Christ. Second of all, I'm going to flip it around and talk about non-believers first, and then I want to talk about believers second or third. Uh, Christ first, non-believers second, and then believers third. And then I want to come back, if we can, to um, look at um, a little bit more about Ezekiel. So, mystery of angels to Christ. Uh, there's a couple things, a couple places, a number of places where we see this throughout the scripture. Um, Luke 1, 26-38, um, uh, uh, Gabriel comes to who? Pardon me? Mary, right? And uh, and uh, predicts uh, Christ's uh, birth. Uh, who, who did she come to before that? I mean, dude, who, who did Gabriel come to before Mary? Elizabeth, Elizabeth right? Yeah, Elizabeth, right? Exactly. And that, that that's uh, just a couple verses before that one. Yeah, uh, uh, mission of angels protecting him, protecting him. Uh, let's take a look at that one. Uh, Matthew 2.13. Matthew 2.13. Want to read that? And then verse 19 piggybacks on that at the end of Herod, Herod's life on this earth. <clears throat> An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, okay, it's time to come back. So both ways, uh, saving and protecting him, uh, and uh, <coughs> saying that it's, 
okay to come back. Um, ministered to him after his temptation. You remember this? Um, where um, he had been tempted in, uh, uh, to uh, sin in, in Matthew tw- chapter 4. Um, take a look at verse 11. It says, Then, or after the third temptation, the devil left him. And behold, quote, angels came and began to minister to him. Began to minister to him. Uh, we won't look, we won't turn there, but in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, uh, we see um, them doing the same thing again uh, uh, there for Elijah. Um, the context for, for that passage was all about, if you remember, Elijah was about ready to like toss in the towel. Jezebel was after him. His life was on, on, on the rocks, and, and um, it was like hopeless. It was, she was going to wipe out all, all those who named the name of God in, in Israel. And, uh, and he's like having a pity party, you know. Um, I think most of us probably would, right? And uh, his point was, look, 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 let me die. I'm afraid. Um, and he ran for his life. And uh, he actually... In running from Jezebel, uh, right after being ministered to by an angel, um, the angel gave him food, sustenance, uh, to take him for 40 days without any more food. And if you look at where he went, he actually ran 200 miles away um, from Jezebel, down in Horeb, I think is the name of it, but down by the Sinai. Um, so, yeah. Uh, strengthened him at Gethsemane. Do you remember after um, after the the uh, the whole you know not my will but thine uh, uh, situation that occurred in in the Garden of Eden um, says that 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 after he had in so many words like set his face had had, had made a decision like locked it down you know locked and loaded it was you know now angels came and ministered to him at his needs there. Um, Next is uh, announced at his resurrection. We looked at Matthew 28 already um, uh, from the standpoint of uh, the angel being there. It says this angel rolled away the stone. Why did, they, why did the angel have to roll the stone away? It was huge, huge stone. It says uh, the, the, whole, the whole group of it, soldiers had to put it there, and that was probably just pulling out the stake to let the stone roll downhill to get there. So it was like, once it's there, it's there. It, I don't know how you're going to get it back out again, you know. It's like, it, I mean, there's just something to me about these women who are going to the garden. And they're going, well, I don't know how, how what we're going to do because there's a stone. How are we going to get that out of the way? It's like, yeah, we're going to go talk to soldiers. Yeah, they'll do that. I don't know what what they're thinking is like. You ever put yourself in their in their in their shoes and kind of walk through that with them? Like, what are you what are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> and, but God figured it out. He got the, got the angel there, right? Cool. Um, uh, attended his ascension. Uh, we looked at that also um, already in Acts um, one ten there, um, where uh, he says, "Why why you you know why you." Why are you looking here into the heavens? The same Jesus raised up from you will come again in the same way. Okay. Uh, we'll attend his second coming or return. Turn with me to Matthew 20, 25, 31. Matthew 25, 31. Go ahead and read that if you got it. Anybody? 
Son of Man comes glory, and all the angels with him. He will sit on his throne in heaven and earth. Okay. Heaven, uh, what, what translation do you have? New American? Uh, NIV. NIV, okay. <coughs> Heavenly glory, okay, in all his glory. Um, certainly this is going to be on earth, um, but it does say that he, he will um, exude that, that same glory that, that uh, he has in the third heaven somehow. Um, uh, for, first of all, why, why are the angels brilliant and dazzling? when we see them, reflecting the glory of God. I mean, if if they were to leave the presence of God for a long time, they wouldn't have that. They're dazzling and bright like lightning because they've come from the presence of God. And they stand in the presence of God. And that's where they are. Um, Fallen angels don't have glory whatsoever. Um, Okay. Okay. but they're going to attend him at his second coming or his return when he comes back. Um, uh, also, uh, well, but to that one, there also, I think it, um, let me make sure I got that correctly here, but, um, yeah, so, back to this issue here, when 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 he comes in his second coming, uh, we're going to come with him as the church and those who are in heaven. Uh, when he comes to um, rescue uh, the nation of Israel um, from utter annihilation at the end of the tribulation period. You've heard the Battle of Armageddon, right? Well, that that's when that will be, and we'll come with him. But interestingly enough, according to Matthew here, uh, which revelate which Revelation doesn't say, is that the angels are going to come with him too. So there's not only is it so it's all the inhabitants of the third heaven are coming. It's like there's a party. Let's go watch. <laughs> it's like going to be pretty ra- pretty ratty for a beginning thing, but we're going to kick this thing off for a thousand years. Come on, you know, let's go. And uh, so, yeah, um, Matthew twenty four thirty one. He's going to prepare uh, the angels help prepare the world for his reign and rule. His reign and rule. Matthew twenty four thirty one. Somebody want to read that one? <laughs> Okay, so after this uh, coming in his glory in the Battle of Armageddon, then he's going to pull from all, all, all four dimensions of the world, um, all of his people, um, his elect, um, those who he has rescued through this um, time period, which is Zechariah says will be the whole of, of the nation of Israel who are alive on planet Earth at that time, um, along with some Gentiles too. But he's going to bring them all to a place in, in the... In, in okay. Um, so let's talk about to non-believers. To non-believers. Um, Genesis 19 talks about uh, how the angel, um, uh, the two angels went from, uh, remember meeting with Abraham? Uh, they went over to meet with Lot and to rescue him and help lead him out of, uh, and his family out of, uh, out of Sodom before judgment hit. Uh, the second one is that they are involved in the destruction of the world powers that, that worship the beast. The world powers that worship the beast. Um, we see that, saw that, see that in, in, in Revelation. Are we looked at that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I flipped it around. So we're going to look at non-believers, remember, and then we're going to look at believers last kind of thing. Okay. Next one is that they're judging, uh, they're involved in judging uh, the people of Jerusalem for idolatry back in Ezekiel. So they're actually um, somehow involved with 
uh, executing God's judgment upon those uh, individuals. Um, and uh, next one is that, that uh, they killed Herod uh, Agrippa for blasphemy. Um, when he blasphemed, if you remember, um, the angels came and, and killed him. Actually, you know, executed God's judgment upon upon Herod. Next is um, they will be involved uh, in throwing non-believers into the furnace or the lake of fire. They're going to be involved in executing God's final judgment on non-believers. Um, that happens in two places: those who are living on planet Earth at the end of the tribulation period who are non-believers. Um, that that is one of the judgments there, and then the second will be certainly when. Um, the, uh, those who have died as opposed to those who are alive in uh, what we call the great white throne judgment and then those are thrown into the lake of fire also uh, the next here is uh, they blow the trumpet judgments on earth during the tribulation period they blow the trumpet judgments uh, we looked at that already they also blow the um, the bowl judgments too so the trumpet and the bowl judgments they're involved in that uh, and la- uh, oh, there it is. The bold judgment. I didn't know I had that one on there. Oh yeah, I do. Okay. Bold judgment also. Revelation 16. Okay. Any questions on non-believers then, and their involvement in, with non-believers? So let's uh, take a look at believers if we can, and their uh, ministry to believers. Everybody got this? Okay. If you don't, just raise your hand. I'll hold it a little bit. Okay. Um. So believers, um, their official function is to aid believers as ministering spirits. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter um, 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Hebrews 1, 14. Somebody got that to read? So what do you learn from this about angels during this age and this time? Holy angels. Okay. Um, do you think that... Uh, he says, those who will inherit salvation. Kind of interesting language, isn't it? Does yours have that say that? So, so somehow they're involved with the Spirit of God in... in uh, they know who... Uh, I don't know if they know, know who the elect is, but somehow it says here that, that, that there's a way that they... they they're told which, which human beings to be involved with and either bring help bring them or architect circumstances and situations around those people to bring them to God, but also to minister to those and protect those who who are believers. Yeah. Yeah. Any questions about that one? Okay. The next one is physical protection. So physical protection, you see this time and time again. Uh, physical protection. I actually probably have the verse in the wrong place here, even though the next one here is physical pro, uh, provision. Uh, but turn with me to Second Kings uh, chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. Uh, let's look at verse eight. Second Kings uh, chapter six um, starts in verse eight. Um, let's actually take a look at sixteen and seventeen. This is Eli. You remember Elijah? Excuse me, Elisha and his uh, servant, and they were uh, surrounded. And uh, um, Elisha prays an, an interesting prayer. You know, I, I ask myself the question: of, you know, Do I pray the same, the same kind of prayer in my own life about eyes to see, 
Um, but he says, so he answered, do not fear. He said this to a servant. Because a servant is like uh, all in a tizzy because, I mean, they're going to get whacked. Um, he says, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What a great, what a great promise. Two to one at least, right? <laughs> more with us than them. Oh, and by the way, we happen to have the one called the Almighty One, <laughs> the Sovereign One. Uh, but yeah, then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord did what? He actually opened his servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain that was around was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So God like flips the, flips the, you know, the blinders up and he like can see the spiritual realm, and there's these angels of fire, angelic beings with chariots of fire that have encamp- encompassed um, them, and, is, and you're going to keep them away, keep them away. Um, so opened up the spiritual realm to be able to see what has happened. So physical protection, physical provision in our lives, encouragement. Uh, I won't go there, but but Paul was on the way to Rome. In the boat, remember? And he says, like, they're ready to, like, throw everything out and give up the, give up the will to live because of this incredible storm. And what happened? An angel of the Lord came to Paul and said, hang in there. No loss of life, and you will get to your destination, right? And so came and encouraged Paul um, in that situation. Direction, Acts 8, 26, 10, 3, and, 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 and 22. Uh, this has to do with Acts eight twenty six. If you remember, was the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, he, he said, um, "Go to the go and speak to." He said to Philip, "He said, go speak to this man." And he actually like somehow like said, "Okay, you there now?" And and he's there. He's like reading Isaiah. He's like, "Whoa, you know? Do you understand what you're what what, what you're reading?" Well, no, not really. Would you like to understand? <laughs> yeah. So it's like. Um, Taking, uh, helping direct uh, believers. Cornelius is 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 Acts ten. The, the last, the second to last one here is assisting God in answering prayers. Assisting God in answering prayers. Uh, uh, Acts twelve is about Peter getting out of prison. Uh, Daniel nine twenty um, is about when Gabriel was dispatched by God to answer Daniel's prayers, and he then opens up and gives him uh, revelatory information about. Daniel about Daniel 70 weeks the 69 weeks and the 70th week of Daniel that really is this great tribulation period that's so it's like what's going to happen on planet earth as it pertains to the interaction of of this world with the nation of Israel what's that look like and, and that's what he gave them yeah. um, and the last one here for 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 believers is uh, to carry believers home to heaven you see this in in Luke 1622 uh, talking about um, uh, um, what's his name? Um, Lazarus um, and the rich man. Remember, and uh, uh, says, and when Lazarus died, the angels met him and brought him to uh, heaven, or brought him to Hades at that time. Um, in that situation, but but the, the comforting thing to know is that um, when we are at that place of of walking through the doorway of death and the hallway of death into um, eternity, that we will not be alone, that God even pro- provides provision for us 
at that time and that place. Um, By the way, be, uh, we'll mention this this morning. Be in prayer uh, this morning for um, uh, Deanne's mom. Uh, is not doing well right now and uh, is in pretty urgent care. And they're, her blood pressure is pretty high. They're trying to figure it out and keep, get it where it needs to be. And it's not looking good um, at this time. So just pray for them. That's where they're at this morning. And uh, um, so... Spiritual realm, all these things. We've seen um, the ministry of angels to Christ, to non-believers, to believers. We've seen these attendants and guardians of the throne of God. We've seen how cherubim and seraphim, who they are, how they interact. The the incredible um, beauty and exquisite, you know, complexity of (coughs) eyes that never stop of seraphim that watch continually, that know, they understand, um, you know, amazing beings that are, um, that we will be living uh, in eternity with. Um, But the spiritual realm is all around us and we need to remember that. Um, Just a couple things in closing then, if we could jump back to Ezekiel and I just want to pick up where we were and just kind of close that out if we could. So we were in Ezekiel chapter 1. I'll give you three more minutes here, four more minutes, if you can stay with me. You have to leave, that's fine. Um, So we looked at these these, uh, cherub that um, are here and uh, then jump down to verse, uh, well, 15 through 19. Talk about these... uh, these beings um, who uh, uh, have wheels and these rims are, are their eyes in verse 18. They're lofty and awesome and the rims are full of eyes and round about. And wherever the living beings moved, the wheels uh, moved with them. And when they rose from the earth, the wheels rose. When they came down, they came down. And uh, verse 20, wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction. And the wheels rose close, close beside them, for the spirit of the living beings was was in the wheels. So somehow they are the wheels are all around with eyes, and and the, these four beings are are personified within these wheels uh, to move, if you would, what we're going to find to be the throne of God. Um, verse twenty one. Uh, excuse me, 22. Now, this is where I wanted to talk to you about. Now, over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse, like an awesome gleam of crystal extended above their heads. So, we're going to see they have their, uh, uh, under this expanse of of crystal, in verse 23, uh, their wings are stretched out, and they're stretched one towards the other, and their, their wings are touching each other. See that? And it says, above those wings is this, this incredible expanse of crystal. Well, where did we see that before in our time to, together today? It's in Revelation. It's below where? It's in front of and below the throne of God. So this is that this is that crystal. This is that sea of crystal that's being looked at from below as opposed to from, from above, which is where the Revelation is talking about. Follow me? And it says here... Uh, awesome gleam of crystals extending above their heads and under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight one towards another, two wings covering the body and on one side and one on the other. And I heard the sound of the wings like the sound of abundant waters as they went, like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. Verse 25, And, when the, and there came a voice from above the expanse that was high above 
over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. But when they moved, the wings were up. Um, verse 26, now, when, now above the expanse that was uh, over their heads, there was something resembling a throne, like lap, lapis <coughs> lazuli in, a, in appearance. Lapis lazuli luz, is uh, was always understood to be uh, sapphire, probably most likely the most common or pretty uh, sapphire, which is blue sapphire. So it's probably a throne, um, resembling a throne that was like this translucent sapphire blue in color, um, and on that. And, and on that, which resembled the throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. <clears throat> when I noticed from the appearance of his loins <clears throat> and upwards, so from you know midsection upwards, it was like glowing metal that looked like fire all around it. And from the appearance of, of his loins downward, I saw something like fire. <clears throat> and there was a radiance around him. As the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so the appearance of the surrounding radiance, such was the appearance of the likeness of, quote, the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice saying, he says, and he's going to tell him what to do. But this is this incredible picture of, on, on top of the, the wings, the throne of God. And so back to, remember the mercy seat? Back to the cherubim there. Remember their wings that stretched out? And then, Above the wings was would have been the quote where God dwelt. You know, it's 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 His dwelling place, it's His throne, and uh, and and we see this same kind of a picture in Revelation chapter four when when we, we looked at there in with this crystal, crystal and glass. And interesting enough, um, I don't have time to go to it, but if you want to look at another Old Testament passage that speaks of this crystal glass and this sea of glass that it'll just it'll just rock your boat is uh, is Exodus twenty four ten. Exodus twenty four ten has has a picture of this. So take a look at that awesome stuff. Um, any questions before we close? So again, I, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, this study for me has just been um, incredible in its ability to understand the spiritual realm and understand the resources we have at our disposal of holy angels who um, minister to us and and meet our needs and protect us and give us the strength, you know, that we need um, um, through the power of the Spirit of God. But this, the angels, angelic beings, coming alongside us in our ability to uh, become more like Christ. Uh, be protected uh, and um, allow us to be an influence in this world to quote bring others you know who will inherit salvation uh, uh, to Christ. Close us in prayer back there. What do you got? Father, we do come to you. We thank you, Father, for our lesson today, Lord. And God, you know all of our hearts, Lord. And God, so much of this is so overwhelming, Lord. And Lord, it's so awesome in itself, Father, that how you have placed everything in place. And God, as we think about the throne and God, what's around the throne, and, and God, we have that blessed promise that one day we'll get to see for ourselves exactly what has been written down. I uh, thank you for the awesomeness of your word and how it can uh, lay the foundation, spell things out for us, Father, and for the spirit that you've given us to, to instruct us in these things. Also, thank you for Mark and the time that you've spent studying and God, his ability to teach, Father, and the gift that you've given him. Thank you for that, Lord. And God, let us take this uh, 
God, the lesson today and remember it, Father, and use it in the time of war. And, and, never, and help us not to forget, Father, that you didn't leave us empty-handed. We have so many things set in place, Father, that we can be various Christians. Thank you, Lord, for that promise, Lord. Now, God, as we go into the corporate worship time, help us to give you the honor that's due you, Father. And God, as we even saw the angels saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. God, may us never forget, God, that you are not a God of, without sin. And help us to, to fear that and, and reverence that, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Have an awesome day.